0: in our new series guardrails and, and you know we kind of as we go through our life how many people actually pay attention to the guardrails on the side of the road you know they're there you kind of know they're there and you kind of don't pay attention but you're glad they're there when you need them well, well the same thing or you don't notice them until you see a car crashed into one of them and then you're like, oh wow, good thing that guardrail was there. And, and as we go through life, I can tell you, if you've ever driven through the Smokies or the Blue Ridge Mountains, you are glad those guardrails were there, Amen. because if they're not there, that's a long way down. Now, yeah, you know, riding my motorcycle doing Tale of the Dragon, it's like hundred and thirty something turns in about a two-mile stretch, so it's just steady going back and forth and cruising. And the guardrails are there, you see cars in them, you see motorcycles in them, and you're really glad they're here or that they're there because they provide protection. They keep protection in our lives and they they supposedly help keep us or protect us from danger. So you may be saying, okay, pastor, well, that's good, but what's this got to do with my life? Well, I think in our spiritual lives and, and as we go through this life, we need guardrails. We need guardrails in our own lives to, to maybe protect us from getting into a place of sin. You, know, you, you think about guardrails. Guardrails can be this personal standard of behavior or this personal standard that we hold ourselves to that just becomes part of our conscious thought. We, we try and do the right thing with everything that we do in life. And, and we fail on a regular basis, but we at least try and do it. Um, a guardrail can also safeguard us from handing control of our lives over to somebody, or even worse, handing our lives or control of our lives over to something. And, and a lot of us have done exactly that. We've, we've allowed something to control our lives. And because we never put the guardrails in place to protect us, and imagine what it would be like if if we actually put guardrails in our lives, if we put guardrails in all of our relationships, our finances, or in our careers, and we had these things that would put in place to help prevent us from getting to a dark place, from, from ending up in a sinful nature, and you kind of got to ask your question, what would it look like? And, and how many bad decisions have I made in the past that would have been avoided if I would have just used guardrails? Because you know, I don't know about you, but, but I know me personally, um, I need guardrails in my life. I, I need guardrails because they, they keep me from falling off the course that God has me on because I, I know just like the Apostle Paul I know and I want to do these good things, but how come the bad things are so much easier to do? I want to do what's good, but I find myself doing what's bad. Am I the only one who does that? Okay, I'm just making sure I'm not alone here. So you mean to tell me y'all try and do good things, but you end up doing bad? Sometimes doing the bad things are a little more fun, aren't they? They seem to come easier to our life, doing bad things instead of good things, and you know, we, we all, unfortunately in our life, we all have this thing that we're going to do. We have this, you know, all's going well until that happens. We all have a that, you know, and, and we wake up every morning with this inspiration of today, I'm not going to do that, whatever it is. And, and then, as the day goes on, you're feeling really good. You're like, "Man, I have I've been really good all day long, and, and and I've been walking this path, and everything's going good." And then that shows up, and then we fall into it, and we fail, and and then we start saying, "Oh my God, I I can't believe I failed again. You know, God God's not going to love me. He's not going to do this because I've continued to fail, and and." just want to give you a little words of wisdom here. Priorities and guardrails without purpose are just to-do lists. So as we talk about guardrails in our lives or as we talk about priorities in our life, if there's not a purpose behind it, it's a to-do list. That's all it is is a to-do list that we're going to end up doing each and every day. And you know how a to-do list works, right? You just check off the box. You check it off, you complete the task, and you continue to move on. And you think you're accomplishing something. You feel like you've accomplished something, and you're able to look at that list and go, man, I've accomplished all these check marks. However, have they really done anything to stop that, whatever that thing is, from coming into your life? If there's not a purpose behind it, there's nothing but a checklist. And ultimately, the good news is this. No matter what, God is more interested in your heart than in your behavior. If you get nothing else out of this, understand that. God is more interested in our hearts than in our behavior. He knows our hearts. You can look through the Bible and see people who messed up time after time. And even look at David, a man who did so much bad. I look at that and say, man, I'm I'm a saint compared to David. But David was a man after God's own heart. His behavior wasn't what God focused on. God focused on his heart. And a lot of times I think in our life, we think, you know, he focuses on our behavior, but he's looking at our heart. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall short of glory of God. We're going to have all this happen to us. But if our heart is in the right place, that's what God's looking at. So the whole premise of this and the whole idea of this entire series of guardrails is that instead of just making a to-do list, we actually place these guardrails into our lives, into our spiritual lives to change us and to help us from falling into that, whatever that might be. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the back of the pew, but as always, uh, it is going to be up here on the screen. So with that being said, let's dig in. Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin, For I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if, I do what, now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover the law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Why is it so easy to mess up? Think about it. Why is it so easy to mess up in our lives? Some, so many believers, we have these great intention to, to live our lives for God. We're going to do everything God wants us to do. We're going we're to abide by what his word says, and, and we're going to exhibit godly behavior in everything that we do. It sounds good, Right? It sounds like something we all want to do, but the problem is, where do we end up? We end up not doing what God's Word calls us to do. We end up not doing what we wanted to do. We end up doing the total opposite. And, and, and many times, we're, we're, you know, we may be able to will that behavior that we don't want. You know, hey, you know, I'll just, uh, I'm not going to hang out with anyone who drinks. I'm not going to hang out with anyone who may, who may use cuss words, and, and I'm not going to hang out with, with, with people who, who do any of that stuff. And so I can kind of will myself into, hey, guess what? I'm not going to do crack today because I'm not going to hang out with a crack addict. So we can kind of will ourselves into it, but then the problem is, as we're trying to will ourselves into it, where do we end up? Right where we didn't want to be. We end up doing what we didn't want to do because, unfortunately, in life, that sinful nature is inside of us. We we try to do good, but then we don't do it. We, We try not to mess up, and then we do mess up. And we have this constant battle, and that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, this constant battle that we struggle with each and every day. But at the very end of the scripture, Paul actually gave the antidote or what can get us past it all. What happens to it all in verse 25, where he simply says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You want to get through these dilemmas in your life. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And actually, the very next verse in chapter 8, verse 1, says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. See, here's the reality. True righteousness is only going to come through Christ. We're only going to get that through Jesus. And, and although our salvation is not earned by good deeds, we, we can't do enough good to earn our way into heaven. Good deeds are still required. There's still things that we will do in our life. And if we're going to be like Jesus and we're going to act like Jesus, we're going to do good things. We're, we're going to automatically do them. And, and even as the Apostle Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians He tells us that we're ambassadors for Christ. Now, if you look up the word ambassador in in the dictionary, it tells you an ambassador is an authorized representative or messenger. So if you're an ambassador for Christ, guess what? That means you represent him. How well do you represent him on a daily basis? Even more, we are his messengers, do we actually provide a message to the world on what Jesus is like by what they see us do? By the actions they see in our life? And, and I think a lot of us fail. A lot of us fail to actually be a representative or a messenger of Jesus because we're too busy trying to do a checklist. We're, we're trying to be someone that we're really not. <clears throat> and if we're going to be that, then our lives should ultimately look different. Our lives should look different than the non-believer. Our lives should look different than the world. But for many of us, our lives look identical to someone who doesn't even know Jesus. Our actions look identical to what the world calls us to look at. Instead of Having fruits of the spirit, we have fruits of the world. Instead of doing what God's word calls us to do, we want to fit into what the world says we should be or what the world says we should do. And we get so caught up in this that we end up feeling like failures. And we'll even say, but wait a minute, I I put these guardrails into place. I'm trying to do this, but I keep failing because you're just checking off a list instead of actually applying it into your life. And and, and we know through the the Bible that you can put all the rules out there you want and we're still going to mess up. The Bible is full of things that we should do. It's also full of things that we should not do. And if we learn one thing from the Old Testament with the laws, with the Ten Commandments, is all it did was show people how much of a sinner they are. And you may ask, you know I'm saying? Well, I haven't broken any of the Ten Commandments today. I haven't broken any of the Ten Commandments this week. If you drive on the highway in South Florida, I guarantee you've broken at least one. At least one. Okay? But here's the thing. We'll look at it as, well, you know what? I haven't killed anyone this week. Yet. But then you look at the way Jesus says it, if you have anger or if you have anger in your heart towards someone, you've actually committed murder. So how many people got angry with someone on 95? I saw someone get angry on my way to church today when one car cut off another car and they both took off speeding down the street, swerving in and out of traffic while one's trying to follow the other. And I'm thinking to myself, all that's going to do is cause an accident and cause problems. Let it go. But we will go through life thinking, well, I, I didn't do this today. Hey, you know what? I got A of the Ten Commandments good. I guess I'm 80%. I, that's a passing grade, right? Sin is sin. Sin is sin. Even if you break one, you've broken them all. So, so the reality is we're going to sin. We're going to fall short of the glory of God. Um, but understand, And this is, as Christ followers, our lives should be transformed. The the gospel isn't just about, you know, it's more than just being about Jesus. Gospel, living the gospel is a lifestyle. It's something that we should do each and every day. As we look and as we're trying to be more like Jesus and, and being his messenger and being his representative, we should live the gospel out in our lives. People should see a difference in us in the way that we speak, the way that we act, the way that we handle different circumstances. The way that we handle stress should be different than somebody else. Some of us, there's no difference. You cannot see a difference between us and somebody else. But as we get transformed, we get away from that old, do as I say, not as I do. Y'all have heard that, right? I think I've told my own kids that. You need to do as I say. Don't do what I do. You know, but as Christ followers, shouldn't we say, hey, you not only need to look at what I'm saying, but also do what I'm doing? You know, even, even James in, in James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. The reality is a lot of us, we hear the word, but we don't allow it to penetrate into our heart. We get that head knowledge. We can quote scripture. We can tell, oh, Ephesians 4:29 says this. Oh, John 3:16, and we can quote all of the scripture, but it's never made a heart change. It's never moved that 18 inches from your brain to your heart, and that's where the transformation comes in. That's where being a doer of the world, of the word, makes a big difference in just being a hearer. And it's a big difference instead of, oh, do as I say, not as I do. Well, unfortunately, a lot of us live that lifestyle. A lot of us live that lifestyle with our own kids. Uh, and we're still living that same lifestyle today. But understand, our goal as believers is our actions need to match our talk. Our actions need to match our talk. If we're saying this is what God's word says, we need to be doing what God's word says. There's no gray area. It's black and white. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of places today that they think there's this gray area, and the gray area has become a nine-lane superhighway, and they're playing this, oh, well, it's a gray area. I really don't know. Well, the reality is sin is sin. Now, the good news is we all fall short, so all of us are sinners, so you're in good company. The difference is what you do with it, how you do or what you do with the sin you make. And and remember that your testimony loses credibility if you're not doing what you say you're doing. And so many people will go out there with a testimony, and then all of a sudden people start to find out that it's only words. It's not the life that they're really living. And we've got to hold truth to what God's word says. In our testimony, if we talk about we love, but we don't love, what's that doing to your testimony? What if you, you speak of this forgiveness, but you live a life of unforgiveness? And you're real quick, oh, you need to forgive, but yet you're holding unforgiveness in your own heart towards somebody is someone really going to listen to what you've got to say? You you speak of generosity, but yet you're stingy and you hold everything in and, and you wouldn't even give a dollar to someone who's looking for food. But you'll talk about how, oh, I'm so generous. Well, no, are you really? So our actions got to be the same as our words. If we're going to say it, we've actually got to do it. If we speak of being faithful, we need to be faithful. There's so many people that speak about faithfulness that are unfaithful to to their boyfriend, girlfriend, their spouses, to their job, to whatever it is. But in the world today, that's perfectly fine. But you find someone who is truly faithful, it makes a big difference in any place you go and anything you do. So we need to continue to do what we're called to do and, and understand that putting guardrails into place and And digging into God's word, it's not just following a bunch of rules. It's not just following rules. It's actually being who we're called to be. Because unfortunately, if we just make this list of, you know, I'm going to do this. Sometimes that list can become a God in your life. It can become that idol because you're so fixated on, I've got to do this, 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 and this, and this that you're really not worrying about anything else. You're focused totally on that. And and although it may be very good, and you may say, hey, these are spiritual disciplines i got to put in my life in in order to not mess up, Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of of Discipline, actually says this, spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They only get us to the place where something can be done. So here's the reality. In the same way, guardrails, guardrails do nothing on their own. They do nothing on their own. They just sit there. There's something that's in place. So they actually do nothing on their own. But guardrails help us stay positioned where God can continue to transform us. They help us to stay in that blessing zone. They help us to stay within the confines of, of not falling into that. So you got these guardrails in your life and, and then ultimately you say, okay, well, if I'm going to put these guardrails in my life, pastor, and, and you know, unfortunately all of us are going to stand right at the edge, you know, right by that guardrail because, you know, that's human nature. We're, we're going to be right on that edge so that, you know, we might just end up falling off. And, and then, oh my God, I can't believe I did that again. Well, maybe you need to put another guardrail inside a guardrail. So that, you know, when you trip over this guardrail, you're still within the area. You know, because we all are going to play near the edge. So maybe you need to put more than one guardrail. Instead of guardrails on the outside perimeter, maybe you need two or three sets of guardrails. Because if you're like me, the first guardrail, I'm just going to step over. And the second one, I may trip over. But by the time I get to that third one, I'm thinking, oh, wait. I'm near the edge. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. How many of us live that life like that? We get right near the edge and we think, hey, I'm doing what God called me to do. And then that shows up right there. And then what do we do? And what's good, I keep jumping out of the camera every time I do that. (laughs) But we, we get so caught up and we get near this edge and we end up falling out. And then, oh, woe's me, I can't believe I did that. Put them guardrails in your life to keep you from going out there. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about staying on the path that God calls you to be on. It's staying where he wants you to be. And whenever I've set up a guardrail in my own life, I've actually used Matthew 6.33 as my basis and and my thought process doing a guardrail. And it says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. This verse is the foundation for every guardrail I have in my life. It can be a foundation for every guardrail that you have in your life. Because here's the thing. Whatever we seek, when we're seeking something, we tend to organize our life around it. Look at it this way. If you're seeking, I'm not going to drink today your entire focus is going to be on not drinking, right? If you decide, hey, I, I'm not going to do crack today. I'm not going to do drugs today. I'm not going to look at porn today. I'm not going to, whatever that is in your life, and you focus on just that, that's what you're going to organize everything around. You're going to organize, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm, and, and your entire focus is going to be on that. When ultimately, shouldn't your entire focus be on God and God first? But we'll put our focus and we'll organize our entire life around something that we don't want to do, and then we wonder why we do it. Because it's so easy to fall back into it because it's the focus of our life. When we focus on the kingdom, if you look at my focus is going to be on the kingdom of God, my focus is going to be on his righteousness, guess what? Everything else falls in place. Everything else comes with it. But my focus needs to be on him. It needs to be on his righteousness because I'm not righteous. I'm not righteous. There's no way I can do what he calls me to do. But if I focus on that and I organize my entire life around that, it changes my outlook. It changes on everything that I do. How many people here have ever made a list? Think about it. Everyone makes lists, right? You make to-do lists. You make shopping lists. You do all this, you're planning a wedding, you're making a wedding list of everything that's got to be done. Whatever it is, we make lists. And we feel so good when we get check stuff off, right? Man, it, it's a good day. I checked five things off my to-do list. But do we want to just check a list when it comes to our Christianity? Do we just want to check a list when it comes to our relationship with Jesus and, and, and how we walk and talk each and every day? <clears throat> Remember, how we How we do a list, whatever's at the top of the list should be what we organize our life about. Now, see, most of us, if I said, hey, I want you to make a list of the priorities in your life. First one would probably be God. Second one would probably be family. Then you'd have friends, career, finances, and then maybe hobbies. Sounds like a pretty good list, right? You know, hey, I got God first. And you're thinking... Well, God's on the top of my list, so he must be over everything. The problem with this, when you make a list like that, is everything operates within itself. So you get up in the morning, you say, okay, first thing on my list is I want God first. So you get up and, and you <clears throat> go into your favorite room or you sit in your favorite chair and you open up the Bible and, and you, you read God's word. And maybe you do a little devotional and you take some time in prayer And then what do you do? God's done. Let me go to my family now. Well, where's God? You just checked him off the list, so you're not going to even think about him until tomorrow morning, right? Shouldn't he be the center of everything? If he is the center of your entire list, you're not just going to check him off. And unfortunately, that's what we do. We make this list. We're going to want God to be the the number one on our list. And all we do is check it off the list. As believers, God should be, Christ should be the center of everything we do. Everything should flow through the lens of Jesus Christ. Everything that we do. Think about this. If God was the center of your life, or if you place God at the center of your life, how does that affect your marriage? If you have a God-centered marriage, how is that going to affect your marriage? How about a God-centered approach to raising your children? Or a God-centered approach to your finances? A God-centered approach to your career? Or just basically, hey, I'm putting God at the center of everything in my life. How much different would your life be? How many changes would you have to make in your life? Because now instead of just checking off a box, you're actually thinking that, old saying, what would Jesus do? The reality is, guess what? He's there anyways. He sees what you're doing. If you think you're going to hide from him or hide it from him, you're sadly mistaken. He already knows it. And guess what? He probably knew it before you even did it. But thank God he is a forgiving God, but we still need to go to him. He's not a vending machine. It's not, a, oh, I messed up. Let me go to God and get a blessing and walk away and do it again. But many of us live our life like that. And we continue to do what we shouldn't do, even though we know it's wrong. But the reality is everyone does it. If you look to the person to you left or you right, guess what? They're struggling with the same thing. They're doing what they don't want to do, even though they want to do what's good. Because we all run into it, we all fail at it. We we all, it's just a part of our life. So I think as we beginning to look and, and we begin to think about guardrails in our own lives, we we need to make sure we point our guardrails to first be focused on Christ, be focused on Him, be focused on His Word, and with that in mind and in light of Christ, and you're thinking about boundaries and guardrails, ask yourself this. What guardrails should be set in my marriage? What guardrails should be set in my relationships? What guardrails should be set in place to guide my finances? What guardrails should be put in place to guide me as I walk into this heathen company I work for? What guardrails do you need to put in place each and every day? See, some of us don't want to go to work on Monday because we know what we're going to deal with. And you're thinking of excuses today to call in tomorrow. Well, maybe you already called in on Friday and said, hey, I'm sick and I'm out for three days. (laughs) What guardrails do you need to put in place? See, each of us can change our environment. There's nothing easy about it. But we can each change the environment. We can change the legacy that's been coming with us, we can take off that backpack of struggles, that backpack of addiction, that backpack of whatever it is, leave it on the side of the road and we can move forward. If we set our focus on his kingdom, on his righteousness, all the other things come into play. We set those guardrails that way and we're able to continue to move forward in our life and do what he calls us to do. Yes, we may still fail, but at least we're on the right track. At least we're going in the right direction. And and as we look at these guardrails and we look at what can we do to guide our steps and guide our lives, we need to look at him first. Look at him first and and understand it's extremely important that, that we may take an honest look, an honest look at where we need guardrails in our life. See, some of us will say, okay, well, I want to avoid this, so I'm just going to... You're going to try and will yourself into avoiding something. And I hate to tell you, will only works for so long. Will needs days off too. And, And about the time will takes a day off is when you're really going to fall and you may fall hard. But we need to be able to truly look at our lives and ask Jesus to take the wheel. In Psalm 139, 23, the psalmist actually prays this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. You know, we can say that God is the center of our lives, but if he isn't, we're only fooling ourselves. You're, really, you're fooling yourself more than anyone else. And I think sometimes the best prayer that any of us could ever pray would be this. God, I recognize that you are at the center of my life. God, I need you at the center of my life. God, I want you at the center of my life. God, help me to keep you at the center of my life. Change my heart and change my desires. Ask God to change your heart, to change your desires, to change you from the inside out so he can truly be at the center of your life. You see, when when we do this, we're positioning ourselves to be changed. We're positioning ourselves to become more like him. We're positioning ourselves to do kingdom work. Each of us are called to do exactly that. We're called to do kingdom work. Our focus should be on the kingdom. Our focus should be on His righteousness, not our own. There are people who come into church who have an agenda. There are people who, every place they go, they're living this agenda in their life, and it's all about me, myself, and I. And then they'll say, Oh, but I'm a Christian. Here's the reality. You know why a lot of people walk away from the Christian faith? Because Christians are mean. Christians are selfish. Christians are any other you can come up with. We are hypocrites. Because here's the reality. So many of us are living the life that we want to live, and we're trying to say that God is the center of our life, And God is a checklist. He is a box on a checklist that you do each and every day. Instead of actually living your life for him, showing his love, showing compassion, showing mercy to other people, you're living like the world and you're saying, hey, if you don't do this for me, then get away. Oh, what do you mean you've got this? What do you mean you're doing this? And we will actually be hypocrites and hateful towards other Christians because they don't follow our personal agenda. None of us should have a personal agenda when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. If we're going to walk the walk and talk the talk, we better do it. Don't just say, oh, I'm a believer. Hey, there's Beatles saying I'm a believer. Oh, the monkeys, there you go, whoever it was. There was one of them back in the 60s before I was born. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> See? I told you, we're all sinners, we all fall short. But, but the reality is, is, is we will chase people and push people away from Christianity because of the way we act. We will act like we're righteous and we're not. We will act like we're so much better than everybody else and we're not. I say it all the time. We are a messed up, jacked up family. That's what we are. Every one of us is messed up. Every one of us is jacked up. But every one of us is loved. Every one of us is loved by a God, by our creator. And we need to do the same thing. Realize we are imperfect. Realize we are scarred. Realize that that we do mess up. And show that and be open to the people around us. It is a crying shame when people leave Christianity because of someone who says they're a Christian. And you know, as I said, because someone who says they're a Christian, because there are a lot of people who are playing Christian with a to-do list, just like I came to church on Sunday, check. You want to really start living for his righteousness and doing what he calls you to do? Put him at the center of your life. That means more than just a morning reading of his word, more than just doing a little devotional and checking off the box and going on. When's the last time you actually went to a adult Bible study or a group Bible study? For some of y'all, you probably can't even think, I don't know. Well, guess what? Get up early on a Sunday and go to Bible study. Come out on a Wednesday night for a Bible study. Get a group of friends or family together and have a Bible study in your own house. You want to get deeper into his word? You want to live for the kingdom? You want to live by his righteousness? You got to know what his word says and get into it. Not just say it. Too many people are just checking boxes. Too many people are saying, I'm a Christian when they're really not. Too many people are just living this life doing a to-do list instead of putting priorities and guardrails with a purpose. If there's no purpose behind it, it is nothing but a to-do list. Throw away your to-do list. Get rid of it and do what he called us to do. Understand that a list doesn't change us. A guardrail will not even change you. We We become changed through a loving and powerful and holy God. That is what will change us from the inside out. If we want to see change in this world, if we want to see change in our own environments, we've got to be loving and live by his righteousness, not our own. As I said at the beginning, priorities and guardrails without purpose are just to-do lists. That's all they are. And remember, God is ultimately, he's interested in our heart. He's not interested in our behavior. He wants to know our heart. Any of us can act right. You can come into church and act right for an hour and woohoo! I did good. I was on my best behavior for an hour in church. I never looked at my cell phone. I, I never cussed at the person next to me. I didn't even tell anyone they were number one. And then you get in the car and you're leaving church and someone cuts you off. How much of a Christian are you really? Are you doing a to-do list or are you putting guardrails in your life? Putting guardrails to keep you on the path that God has for you. Doing what He calls you to do. It's okay. You're going to hit the guardrails sometimes. They're there to keep you on track. They're there to keep you on the path that He wants you on. That's why we put guardrails there. Making Him the center of everything that we do. Does it make life easy? Nope. Guess what? That, that same thing that you've been dealing with, it's going to come at you a little harder. It's going to come at you a little faster. It's going to look a whole lot prettier and more appealing than what God's got you doing in your life. Because you ever notice how, how nice sin looks? It's like a bug light. The bugs just fly towards the light aimlessly. Well, some of us do the same thing with that, whatever it is in our life. It's just so appealing to us that we pay no attention to anything that's around us. We pay no attention to to the hurt that is going to cause ourselves, to the hurt that is going to cause our family, to the hurt that is going to cause our friends because we're just so encompassed on whatever that thing that is appealing is. Make whatever that is appealing to you make it be God. Put Him at the center and let Him be your focus in every decision, in everything that you do in your life. It will truly change your life. It will change the way you think. It will change the way you act. It will change you, and He will change you from the inside out. And that's what we're all called to do. Don't let that stop you from doing what he calls you to do. Yeah, you know, maybe today it's time for you to give up that whatever it is. You know, I talk all the time about hurts, hang-ups and habits cuz we all got them. We we all got something that takes control over our lives and takes us away from Jesus. It takes us away from what we're called to do. It takes us away from the path that he has for us. Because we get caught up in it. Break that chain, break that stronghold that whatever that is has over you and truly look at, I want to serve my God. I want to live within his righteousness. Because guess what? If I do that, Everything else works itself out. Everything else comes with it. And it can change you from the inside out. Now, I don't know where you're at as far as what guardrails you need. I don't know where you're at on your relationship with Jesus. If you're waiting to get it all together, it's never going to happen. None of us will be perfect till we see Jesus face to face. You know, as I said, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So the person sitting next to you is a sinner. And if there's no one sitting next to you, look in the pew next to you. Look all the way over. Or just look up here. I'm a sinner, and I fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners. God's Word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. That's where you start to put that guardrail of, I've accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I need to put guardrails around him so that I can keep focused on this so I don't fall off the path, and you start there. And allow him to transform you from the inside out. So what I want to do this morning is, I want you all to close your eyes. And even if you join us for church online, just just take this moment, close your eyes. And, and if you're in this room and you've been doing a checklist, a to-do list, and God's really not the center of your life, or well, maybe you haven't even accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you want today to be different, you want to go forward today with Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and with God being the center of your life. I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need God to be the center of your life in everything that you do. Instead of having that that controls you, let the Lord control everything about your life. Keep your heads bowed. I just want to pray for those of you right now and just for anyone here who who hasn't accepted Jesus you can take these words and make them your own just say dear Lord I've been trying to do life on my own and Lord I need a savior Lord I need someone to lead my life And, Lord, I chose you. Lord, I ask you to be the Lord over my life. I believe you to be the Savior of the world. I believe that God rose you from the dead. And, Lord, I need you. So, Lord, take control of my life. Lead me where you want me to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're sitting here going through this life and, and, and that has a hold of you, I want to encourage you to make a move. The reality is every one of us has that in our life. And you need to take it to the altar. You need to take it to God, bring it to him, and I tell you, we're going to do one final song, and there'll be some prayer partners up here. You can bring it to the altar today. You can come to the altar, give it back to God, have someone pray with you and for you. And if you've said that prayer to accept Jesus and for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the most important thing you can do next is go tell somebody. So you can, again, you can come up front. If you're with us for church online, go tell somebody. Tell someone you changed your life today. You're going to put God at the center of your life. But then live that life. So as I say, we're going to worship one more time, but I want to pray first. And Heavenly Father, I raise up those in this room. I raise up those church online or anyone who may be watching this at another time. Lord, we need you. We need you to be the center of our life, not just in our words, but in our actions. Lord, we, we need you to, to help us to put guardrails in our life. Lord, Lord, there's someone today that's allowing that to control their life. Lord, whatever that is, I ask that you remove it from their life, that that you fill them with your spirit. Lord, that they will listen and hear your voice and that they will put you at the center of everything that they do. And Lord, that we won't just talk the talk, but that we will walk the walk. Lord, that we will do what you call us to do each and every minute of every day. That we won't make you a checklist, that you won't be a to-do list, but that you will truly be the center of everything that we do. Lord, I ask that you continue changes from the inside. Take head knowledge, bring it to heart knowledge. Lord, help us to put as many guardrails as we need to stay on the path that you have for us. And Lord, if there's anyone here struggling today, Lord, I ask them that they come to the altar, and I make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online, and and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to...